This podcast is an interview with the Liberal Democrat candidate for the 2019 general election in the St Albans constituency. You can hear the other major party candidates in other podcasts at radioverulam.com election. With us now is the Liberal Democrat candidate for St Albans constituency, Daisy Cooper. Daisy lives in the heart of St Albans and is a daily commuter on Thameslink. She previously worked as campaign director of More United and has also worked in international affairs for 10 years, campaigning for LGBT plus rights abroad and against human rights violations in Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe, and also in press reform. Daisy also plays violin and piano. Daisy Cooper, welcome. Thank you. Now, Daisy, tell us a little bit about your connection to the area. Uh, Well, I live in St Albans uh, and uh, I'm the only major party candidate standing in this general election who does actually live in the constituency. Um, I've lived here for three years, but I've got a connection going back much further than that. Um, My cousin lived in St Albans for around 15 years. Um, This was at a time when I was living in North London and I used to sort of hop on the train and come up and see her quite regularly. So I have to admit that during my 20s, I was more familiar with the nightlife than I was with the day life. (laughs) But um, uh, having moved here... Um, uh, I feel very much at home and very much part of the community. What do you think of the big local issues here? Ah, well, um, th- I think the big local issues are have a huge overlap with the big national issues. Um, when I go out and knock on doors, Brexit is the number one issue that people raise. And I think it's because it, you know, with three years on, it is really affecting people's lives. So, you know, there are people who commute into London who have seen jobs and money leave the city. There are local small family businesses, uh, local family firms who are feeling the squeeze as people, the uncertainty of the economy means that people aren't spending money so much. And we've got a lot of EU citizens in St Albans who are really, really anxious um, about their future and whether they'll be able to stay uh, in the UK. Um, So I think Brexit is the number one issue. But there are lots of other issues as well. So uh, you will have seen recently that a number of our school children uh, took part in the uh, the global climate strike, uh, stood outside the clock tower. Um, and that's because people are genuinely worried about the impact of climate change, both here in St Albans uh, and uh, nationally and internationally as well. And then we have the NHS and schools. And there's been a long-standing campaign for the last couple of years, particularly around schools funding. Um, and one of the things that I think is absolutely shocking is that out of the uh, 44 primary and secondary schools that we have here in the St Albans constituency, 41 of them have a schools funding uh, deficit. And they, they, um, uh, they're, they're short of money. Um, they have a shortfall for, for the next financial year. Um, the cuts since 2015 have resulted to um, uh, 80 teachers. That's the, uh, that's the equivalent. So the cuts since 2015 have been equal to the salaries of 80 teachers just here in St Albans, and I think parents have, have had enough. But, but uplifting funding is coming, isn't it, anyway? Well, there is some more funding promised by the Conservative government, but it's simply not enough. Um, and the National Education Union have said that. As I say, even with some extra funding that the Conservatives are promising, it simply isn't enough. What we've said as Liberal Democrats is that we would reverse the cuts back to 2015 levels, which is precisely what the National Education Union is asking us to do. So we'd make sure that we reverse those cuts, invest in our schools and let teachers teach. Now, what about hospitals here? Where do you stand on the whole question of investing in Watford General and St Albans or building a new hospital? Well, I mean, I think everybody, I can see the, I can see the appeal of the idea of a new hospital. And I think, you know, 
Um, if that was on the cards, then great. But the fact is, it isn't. The current Conservative government was absolutely clear that if we turn down the offer of some money, 350 million, now recently put up to 400 million, um, if we over, if we overlook that and turn that money down, then no more money would be forthcoming, and the cost of a new hospital would be twice as much. So there simply isn't enough money there to build a new hospital. Whoever's in power. Um, well, at the moment, uh, I mean, I, I think I'd have to sort of go back and look at the books, but at the moment, it looks very much like there isn't that additional money to start building hospitals. And quite honestly, there are other more important investments that we need to do. So we do need to upgrade uh, Watford and St Albans. Um, I wish that there was real money coming to do that. The Conservatives pledged money, but actually it isn't new cash. It's a loan. It's a loan from central government that our trust will have to pay back by making savings in their day-to-day -day budget. We um, Liberal Democrats have a very clear policy on the NHS. If we want to protect the NHS, we have to be honest with the public about how we're going to fund it. We have said that we would increase uh, tax by 1p in the pound for income tax. We would ring fence that money. Half of it would go towards funding the NHS. The other half would go towards supporting social care and mental health in particular. That one penny on tax, that's for everybody, right? Uh, it is for everybody, but it would be staggered depending on your income. So those who earn less than £10,000 would pay nothing at all. Those who earn a bit more than 10000 would pay a small amount. Then the higher you are up the pay scale, the more you would contribute. So it's not a penny on everybody's tax. It's more than a penny on tax of people who earn, let's say, £80,000 and less for further down. So not dissimilar to the kind of uh, policies of the Labour Party in terms of raising tax from, from higher earners. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that's right. I mean, w our policy is very specific about how much we would raise. Uh, we said it would raise six billion uh, a year, so that's about thirty-five to thirty-six billion over a five, about thirty-five point two uh, billion over a five-year parliament. And we've also said how we're going to raise it, and also that we're going to ring fence it, and how we're going to spend it. So we have a fully costed plan about how we're going to do this, and it would be ring fenced specifically for NHS, social care, and mental health. And what about all the rest of your spending plans then? If that one penny on tax is going on just the NHS and social care, where's everything else coming from? Your 300,000 new homes, your 60 million trees, you've got big ambitions, where's that money going to come from? Well we do have big ambitions and I'm glad that's been recognised because we're incredibly proud of the bold uh, ambitious agenda for the future that we've got in our manifesto. Um, the manifesto will be released on Wednesday um, so um, before it's released uh, you know, all the sums aren't, aren't available to look at just yet but every single manifesto that the Liberal Democrats produce is fully costed and we where possible, we do indicate, like I say, with the NHS um, funding plan, uh, where money is going to come from and how it's going to be spent. The other two major parties both seem keen on borrowing. Are you? Yes, we want, we want to borrow. We would like to borrow to invest, um, but that's not sufficient. One of the problems we have with Brexit at the moment is, one, it's uh, raising, the cost, um, raising the cost of borrowing. That's one big problem we have. But secondly, um, we've got to have the workforce there. Um, and if we leave the EU, uh, both our economy will be hit in terms of GDP uh, and also we'll potentially not have the, um, the person power to, do, to uh, deliver all the infrastructure plans that we need. So if we can stop Brexit, we will have what we call a remain bonus. So by staying in the EU, our economy will continue to grow, and we will save 50 billion over the, or make uh, 50 billion over the next five years, which we can invest in tackling inequality and welfare. But that's 50 billion as opposed to what you think is going to happen. So it's not 50 billion as opposed to today, is it? 
Well, any kind of forecast for the future is, as I say, a forecast. So every single political party will look at a forecast for the next four to five years and develop spending plans based on what GDP is going to look like. And what's very clear is that if we stay in the EU, then GDP and growth goes up. And if we leave the EU in any way at all, uh, on whatever deal we leave or without a deal, it makes us poorer. What would you say to people in the constituency who want us to leave the European Union? Presumably don't vote for you because you're going to revoke Article 50. Well, to be honest, there are a lot of people I've spoken to who voted leave a few years ago. But quite frankly, three years on and after three prime ministers, we can all see that it's a mess. Um, And there are things that all of us can now see that we had never anticipated. I don't think any of us had anticipated that Parliament would have the oxygen sucked out of it completely. We hadn't anticipated that Parliament would be unable to tackle any other issue at all. There's been legislation on hardly any other subjects. Um, And I think all of us have have really regret the amount of division and uh, toxic um, public language that has been used. Now, I think a lot of people... The Liberal Party could have avoided all of that, couldn't you? The Lib Dems could have said, actually, it is the will of the people, let's just get on with it and vote in favour of of an agreement to leave. You could have voted in favour of Theresa May's agreement, for example. You could have avoided all of that. No, I don't think that's right. The fact is that after the country voted to leave, Liberal Democrats, like other parties, voted to trigger Article 50 and Theresa May had a mandate to go and negotiate a deal. But when she brought her deal back, and now when you look at Boris Johnson's deal, um, these deals do not live up to the promises that were made three years ago. Some of those promises have been exposed as lies. Other of the promises have been, um, have been found out to be undeliverable. And I think it's absolutely right that the people have a say one way or another. Now, we were leaders uh, in terms of calling for a people's vote. We said this started with the people, it should end with the people. Once there is a specific deal on the table, let people have a say on it. But we couldn't get enough support in Parliament. And now that we have a general election, we're very clear that we're Remainers. We think we're better off in the EU. And the only way to stop Brexit is to vote for the Liberal Democrats. With a majority Liberal Democrat, we would revoke Article 50 on day one. And in all other circumstances, we will continue our campaign to call for a people's vote. So there's nothing wrong with the European Union. Basically, it can carry on as it is. We don't need to worry about people's concerns about migration. We're fine with it, are we? That's not what we're saying. The EU is an amazing idea. It has brought peace to uh, our continent for 40 years. Um, uh, Sorry, longer than that. (laughs) Uh, It's brought peace to our continent uh, for decades. Um, It gives us the opportunity to live, to travel, to work, to to love, to retire in 28 different countries. But are you fine with this as it is? The harmonisation, we've got to sell the benefits of this. The harmonisation of rules means that small businesses in the UK can export to 500 million people. The EU institutions have problems, but every institution has problems. The NHS has problems, but we're not going to throw it under the bus. But the way to fix an institution is to show leadership. It's to stay in the EU. It's to use our position as a leader. um, It's to shrug off this national humiliation that has come with Brexit and it's positioned ourselves as leaders in the world. But you had your chance to sell the benefits of the European Union and people turned their back on it. The majority of people in this country didn't want us to stay in the European Union. Why, you know, why do you set out by representing less than half the people? Well, I very much regret that actually the case for Remain was made by David Cameron. And I think David Cameron ran an incredibly lacklustre campaign uh, during the referendum. And I think many of us deeply regret just... Um, how flat it was. Uh, He talked about the EU in terms of economics, but without any kind of passion for the opportunities that it gives people in terms of the peace that it's brought, in terms of the position it gives us on the world stage. He did not provide a compelling, passionate case. Um, 
we deeply, deeply regret that we didn't win that referendum. But we believe that we're better off in the EU. The government's own analysis shows that we're better off in the EU. Nobody knew that we would be in such a mess three years on. We think it's absolutely right that people should have a say. And the general election is a chance for them to say that. And if they want to stay in the EU, they should vote for us. Let's move on from that topic then. 300,000 new homes by 2024, 300,000 new homes a year by 2024, but only tens of thousands of them being zero carbon. Why? Ah, well, we've said 100,000 social homes in the first instance because that's really, really important. Can they not be zero carbon? We will make sure that homes would be zero carbon. So the issue that we have is that um, you know many homes for decades now have been built um, without actually being fit to tackle the climate emergency. So there are people, including in new, newly built homes, that actually have to choose between heating their homes, possibly eating as well. These homes are simply not fit for purpose. And the emissions from homes in the UK accounts for about 15% of our national emissions. So we do really, really need to tackle that and make sure that our homes are zero carbon. I was just wondering really why you weren't committing to all of those 300,000 new homes being zero carbon. Um, well, as I say, the manifesto hasn't been published yet, so I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen any detail that suggests that it wouldn't that they wouldn't be zero carbon. What we can what we have said is that we want um, zero carbon Britain by 2045, which is the date that's been endorsed by WWF and uh, by Friends of the Earth. Um, We need to start by making sure that we have renewable energy. We have dates in mind for that. Um, And we do need to have a massive programme of retrofitting um, housing so it all becomes zero carbon, starting with those who are fuel poor. Explain to us what you mean by renewable energy. What counts as a renewable energy source? Oh, uh, well, wind, uh, solar, uh, tidal, all of these sources. Nuclear? Uh, Well, Nuclear is uh, carbon zero, but it's not a renewable. So no, nuclear is not included in that renewable energy. Okay, and how is that going to be sustainable, given that the wind doesn't blow all the time, the sun doesn't shine all the time, sadly we're in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, How is that possible? Uh, Because at the moment, balancing the load across the grid is a really difficult thing, even now, as we saw with the power cuts triggered by a very small wind farm issue. Uh, So so how are you planning to address that? Well, we said that we want 80% of our, of our energy to be, um, uh, uh, um, well, 80% of it to be from new renewables by 2030. I think that's a really ambitious target. Um, to be honest, I really, really wish that we could move away from nuclear, and I think we should as soon as possible. Um, but in order to keep the mix going at the moment, reluctantly, we're going to have to keep nuclear part of the mix for now. Um, but certainly, in terms of direction of travel, I would like to see us moving away from nuclear as soon as, as, soon as possible. So now, you, the the voting system in this country means that probably you need to get a share of votes sort of 25 to 30 percent before you get any meaningful number of seats, probably. Um, so at the moment, you're on around 16 percent, at least according to the polls. So isn't a Lib Dem vote really a wasted vote because you're not going to form the next government, are you? Absolutely not. You know what, this is uh, the most unpredictable uh, election we've had in the UK for a very long time. I think all of the commentators are saying that. Uh, There are various statistics showing that I think between sort of 30 and 40 percent of people have changed their vote uh, in the last couple of general elections. Um, We do have an awful voting system in this country, first past the post. I think it's deeply unfair, um, but our votes will be higher in some areas than in others. So you're looking obviously at the uh, percentage for the nation as a whole. um, But because of our first past the post system, we, like every other political party, will be targeting our efforts on a certain particular number of constituencies, hoping that we'll be able to win those over. And quite frankly, at the moment, we could win anywhere between 50 and 250 seats. Who knows? If you're not uh, in the majority party, uh, what's going to happen? Good question. Who knows? Um, 
it really depends on uh, the balance of power after the 12th of December. We've been absolutely clear that we would not go into, uh, if we don't become a majority Lib Dem government, then we're absolutely clear that we would not do a deal with a Johnson-led Conservative Party or a Corbyn-led Labour Party. Um, We think both men are figures of the past. They both support Brexit uh, and in different ways have been completely toxic and divisive in their own parties. Um, And we think the country deserves a better choice. So we as Liberal Democrats have set out a brighter future. We've set out bold, ambitious plans for the future. And I imagine that if there is a hung parliament, perhaps, we're not wedded to this, but perhaps we'll see if there are other parties that want to form a minority government and perhaps we'll support them on a case-by-case basis. But as I say, we rule out working with a Johnson-led Conservative Party and a Corbyn-led Labour Party. And after that, our priority is to stop Brexit. So uh, some people might think it was somewhat undemocratic to try and force out the leader of a a major party if they held um, the largest number of seats, but not an overall majority in order that you could work with someone. How would you respond to that? Well, it's the way that our parliamentary democracy works. And I suspect that if Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn don't get a a majority government, I imagine that their own MPs will probably kick them out first. (laughs) Tell us why you think the Liberal Democrats and you are the right choice for the voters of St Albans. Well... We have open liberal values here in St Albans. I believe that St Albans is fundamentally an open liberal city. Um, we are internationalists as Liberal Democrats. We're internationalists, we're, we're environmentalists, we are pro-business, we're pro-social justice. Um, and I think what's happened over the last few years is that as people, as people have felt increasingly politically homeless from the traditional parties that they might have voted for, they're finding that they share our values and that we share theirs. And so we are having people move over to us, uh, learn more about our policies and feel that they actually feel at home uh, with the Liberal Democrats. In addition to sharing our values, I think people do see in St Albans that we work incredibly hard for them in the community. You know, we recently became the largest party on the council. We now have a Liberal Democrat administration running the local district council. Um, and St Albans wanted to vote for more Liberal Democrat uh, councillors because they can see how hard we work. And I hope that as a parliamentary candidate people have seen in the last two or three years just how hard I have worked on a whole range of different projects uh, across the constituency. Daisy Cooper, Liberal Democrat candidate for St Albans constituency, thank you for joining us. Thank you. You can find more Radio Verulam podcasts at radioverulam.com slash podcast and support our podcasts at radioverulam.com slash donate.